Well, all right. Happy New Year, everyone. I'm going to do that again. Ready? Happy New Year, everyone. I know. I I like repeating things. So as you can tell, um, I am not Pastor Chuck. I'm a little younger, a little taller. Uh, But actually, Pastor Chuck, he is watching today online. Um, He has uh, been sick, which has just gone around. um, And so Thursday morning-ish, he calls me, uh, sends me a text, was like, hey, I got to go deep on the bench, but I'm calling you up. Come on up here. So he called me on up here, and here I am today, excited to be with you. Hey, it's 2023, almost 2024, and what better way... To spend your 2024, or going into your 2024, last day of 2023, at Restoration Church. How cool is that? That's pretty awesome. So I don't think it's an accident. I know it comes around every so often. um, But who knows, after this year, after the adventure that we went on, it's great to end it in the house of the Lord. Amen? Look at his faithfulness. Look at his kindness to everybody in this Room. So I'm excited about uh, today. It was a great first service. Excited about uh, this service here. Um, we all know that every year there is a word that Pastor Chuck gives. So for our church, it's order. And maybe you do words for your family. Maybe you have words for um, for yourself personally. Uh, so I started to think about some things. I was like, man, I need a word for me and my family. And so one of the words, I started looking up some things, I started praying into it, and I felt like the Lord gave me a really great word. But there was a word I was scrolling the other day, I mean, I was like, man, that is a great word for my entire life. And the word is snackident. When you eat all the snacks by accident. <laughs> Anybody in here know somebody that has a snackident issue? Yeah, we got, who in here knows that whole bag of popcorn? It was good for about 10 minutes. And, and when your wife looks at you and says, hey, can I have some? And I'm like, I would love for you to have some. She's like, where is it? I ate it all. So, uh, so we got new words. And uh, man, let me just say, this is the first year that I've ever, I looked at Caroline two days ago and I said, I hope nobody asks us to go out anywhere on New Year's Eve. I hit the age where that sounds terrible to me right now. I'm also at the point, please, dear Lord Jesus, let nobody be doing fireworks next to our brand new baby at our house. (laughs) Anybody in agreement with me there? I'm just happy I'm not at Ryan Dunn's place late at night because he go by and start blowing fireworks at our window. So, uh, but you know, so this this new year, I'm excited. I just I just love being in the house of the Lord. It's just a true, I don't say it just tongue in cheek. I love being in the house of the Lord, especially as we head into a new year. So I think what the well's doing, I think if you can spend an hour, 30 minutes there, uh, make your way by here um, starting tonight at 12 a.m., going all the way to 12 p.m. I will not be here the entire time. I will show up for an hour though. So it's gonna be a really great night. Well, as you know, this whole year, it really has been an adventure, right? It's been an adventure in this church. It's been an adventure in maybe your lives. I've, I've talked to a lot of you in here. It's been an adventure personally, relationally, business-wise. It, it seems like it seems it just seems like you just went on that. As PC said, it was that roller coaster ride. It was like you're at the top and you drop all the way down, and right before you're about to hit the bottom, that roller coaster takes you right back up. And it seems like it's been one of those years for so many people. And as a church, I am excited that the word is order and it's not adventure 2.0, because who knows? I'm not sure if I could go on another adventure 2.0 quite yet. But we got a great word coming up, and I'm excited for that. But as we go into today's sermon, one of the things I was challenged with was, you know, I'm not going to present something up here where it's a three-step sermon Um, three points on how to make 2024 the year of the more. 
I'm just not going to do that. I, you know, I, I've heard lots of sermons like that. I'm not saying they're bad. But in my spirit, I was like, you guys deserve so much more because my opinion does not matter. I want to see what God's word says about New Year, about going into New Year, what he says about 2023. And so we're going to dive in to the word today. So I don't have the 21 point sermon as I would love to have. I tried it. Trust me. The Lord's like, nope, you are not doing that. And so as I was uh, praying and planning, he took me back to a sermon that I had spoken a few weeks prior. And so I've been able to change some things on there. But the word for today is pruning. The word for today is pruning. That's what today's sermon will be on. And maybe you know what that word is. Um, that's a very Bible word. That's a very uh, theological word sometimes. It feels like, you know, I just went through a pruning. I just went, you know, it's like, it's like you see on uh, uh, social media accounts, on Instagram, on the bio. It's like going through a pruning season. You're like, no, you're not. And look at you. And, but, but we understand that, that there is some theological, it, it can sound biblical, it can sound theological, and maybe you know what it is. Maybe you've been through it. Maybe you're currently going through it. Or maybe you, you have seen somebody else, and, but let me just say, you will go through it. And we're going to base this sermon off of John 15, 1 through 2, and it says this, I am the true grapevine, and my father, he is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit. If it doesn't produce fruit, he will cut it off. And get this, this is really powerful, and we're going to talk more about this in just a second. He prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. Did anybody here want to produce more fruit than what they're producing right now? He will prune you. And I know this to be true. This is not a guessing. This is not a, a saying, hey, you might... Everybody in this room will go through a season of pruning. And so if that's the case, the scripture just told us it, we will be pruned. We have to look at what scripture actually says about being pruned. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to, as I started to study this, the Lord put the five W's of journalism upon my mind. And I'm no English major, all right? I just saw that. I thought that was pretty cool. And it makes me sound like my ACT was a lot higher than it was. Um, but the five W, you know, who, what, when, where, why, and we're going to look at what scripture says about pruning, because as we have gone through 2023, it, just because it was an adventure, it still was a pruning season that a lot of us have gained a bunch of things from. And as you go into 2024, you may say, man, it still feels like I'm in this pruning season. It still feels like it's difficult. It's, it's, it's hard. But let me just say it, and I'm going to say it over and over again. God does not waste any situation that you've ever been in, good or bad. He uses it for good. So we're going to look at the first one, is what does a pruning season look like? Well, it, you know, if you're not sure what it looks like, I'm assuming most of you do, it's hard, hopeless, joyless, painful, disappointing, challenging, there's loss, confusion, you feel like you're buried, you feel like you can't breathe, it's dark, there is no light at the end of the tunnel, there is a lot of questions that are being asked, you feel helpless. You feel hopeless. It's just, you're like, how do I even get out of this season? I understand nobody ever wants to go through this type of season. Nobody ever wants to have their heart crushed. Nobody ever wants to have their, their relationships destroyed. Nobody wants to have things taken away from them. And sometimes it seems like it's the part of life. And when these hard times come, we all feel it deeply. Now I want you to hear this part, because this is a lie from Satan. When we go through these pruning seasons that are difficult, we wonder if others have these same hard moments. Let me just be clear. Others have the same hard 
moments. I was reminded, if you've ever been around um, godly people, you know, think about the most godly person that you know, the most faithful, his life or her life is fruitful. Like you're like, man, they have never done anything wrong. Let me just be clear. In order to get to the place that they are now currently, they went through a lot of pruning in their life to get there. It never just happened. And it's hard to see, if we're honest, if we go on social media for way too long, that it's like crushing and the pruning, it never happens to anybody else but you, because everybody else has the best life on social media, right? Like, they're all going through the best of the best. I mean, they are vacationing, family's perfect, situations are good, business is good, but people go through pruning. And we wonder if we have what it takes to survive, if you've ever been in a pruning season, it's like, I, can I just take one step forward? We wonder what it looks like to survive when the doctor calls and says he needs to talk to you in person about the test results. When you lose someone close that you love. When someone that you love turns their back on you and turns their heart away from you. When you feel so utterly incapable and unable and afraid. When all hope seems lost and there is no light at the end of the tunnel. I, I saw this explaining this situation. It says, I suspect you know the tear-filled place from which I speak. I suspect most of you in here have gone through some sort of season where it's like I just don't know how to breathe, I don't know what's gonna happen, what, why me, why them, why this situation, what is going on? And I, if I had to assume, most of you in this room could look back on your life and you could say, I sat in silence and I didn't feel like I could move anymore. We see David, David knows this place all too well. King David, as he killed a, man, killed a woman's husband, slept with that woman, had a child, thought he got away with it. Then Nathan comes and confronts him and says, David, what have you done? And through that process, the Lord says, okay, you've relied too much on you. It's time to prune you. It's time to, for you to go through this, what you need to go through. And we see the cries upon David's heart in Psalms 51. He says, God, you have broken me. Now let me rejoice. You have, you have destroyed me, God. You, you are taking things off of me. God, help me. Let me rejoice one more day, and I'm curious if you've ever had that prayer, God, just give me one more reason to take another step forward. God, just today, I need one more reason just to be joyful. Show me your faithfulness. David knew what it was like to be pruned. So we see to what? The next thing we see is to whom does a pruning season happen to? Well, this is what I'll tell you. I mentioned it a little bit earlier. Pruning happens to everyone. Go ahead and just get used to that. Pruning happens to everyone. I do specifically believe it happens, as Scripture says, it happens to believers specifically. Because if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you must be pruned in order to follow him fully. When you gave your life, so everybody in here that gave their life to Jesus, you did not give your life to yourself. You gave your life to Jesus Christ, the one who then is now the potter and you are the clay. Remember, the clay doesn't look at the potter and say, what are you doing? You are foolish. You are dumb. No, the clay sits there in silence and lets the potter do with what he wants to do. He wants to take away things. He wants to add some pieces. He wants to do some things in your life that you never thought were possible. Good things that you thought would never be taken away or, or cut off. He says, listen, I got so much more for you. You got to let go. It happens to everyone. It just does. And we, and we see this. It actually happens to Jesus. We see in Mark 14, he says, they went to the olive grove grove called Gethsemane, and Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. 
he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. I wonder if anybody here has ever felt that way. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Jesus was pruned for us. Now, one point I want you to understand There is a difference between pruning and punishment, okay? There is a difference between pruning and punishment. I do believe that you are pruned because of your sinful decisions. I think God prunes you because of decisions you've made, because of decisions other people made around you and your family. I also believe that you're pruned just because God says, I gotta take you to another level. You're getting too comfortable, so come on, buddy. Let's go get pruned together, So I do believe that, but there is a difference between pruning versus punishment, and the difference is intent. The intent behind the pruning versus punishment, that is the difference, and I'll show you right here. Mary, as she's headed up to Golgotha, she's watched her son be whipped and beat, and and basically you can't even recognize him. And as she's walking up to Golgotha, she sees up on this hill, she sees three men hung up on a cross, but she knows there is a difference between the three men. She understands that one man in the middle, Jesus Christ, is being pruned, and two men on the other side are being punished. She gets that there is a man in the middle that's being pruned so that way we can come directly to the Father for salvation. We can come directly to the Father for forgiveness. But the world thought all three were being punished, but Mary knew that that man in the middle was being pruned for you and I. And who knows in this room who is so thankful that Jesus Christ died on that cross so that way you and I could have a relationship with him. I am so thankful that God allowed himself to go through that, but we understand Jesus Jesus was like, please, if it doesn't have to happen, don't let it happen to me. But he said, but if you must, your will be done. So who does it happen to? It happens to everyone. It happens to you. It happens to me. It happens to unbelievers. It happens to believers. So we see to whom the next thing is, Where does a crushing season take place? Where does a pruning season take place? Well, I'll just say right where you are, in the middle of your situation, in the good seasons and in the bad seasons. The good situations and the difficult situations. Right in the middle of where you are, I'm reminded of the story of Job. If you know anything about Job, Job had everything. He had all the material items, he had all the the family, he had wife, he had tons of children, he had uh, son-in-laws, daughter-in-laws, grandchildren, and immediately everything was taken away from Job. And it was because of Job and his situation that what we know about Job is that through that season, he was pruned and things were cut off, but what do we know about what happens after the pruning? Everything he had was doubled. Job went through a season of pruning. It happened right where he was. But I was reminded earlier, I, I, was, I was sitting right here, and, and, and as we were singing this song, I had this question kind of pop into my mind, or even rather the statement, what if his faithfulness to you and to me was actually the faithfulness of pruning you? What if his faithfulness, what if, what if his, his faithfulness to you, his word to you was a, listen, I'm going to prune you. Now, what are you going to do? What if that was him being faithful to you because you had no idea what was on the other side? His faithfulness sometimes looks like, like pruning. Sometimes it looks different than what it looks like to other people. It happens right where you are. The fourth thing we see is when does a crushing or when does a pruning season happen? I'm going to stay here for just a few 
few minutes on these next couple of ones. Um, I have a couple different answers for this, but the first one is this. Right after a harvest. Restoration, I believe, went through a pruning right after a harvest. I believe there are people in this room that have gone through a pruning right after something good was happening. We also see pruning takes place right before salvation happens. That God takes things away. He allows things to happen because you've been so far off your path. He says, I will do whatever it takes to get your attention. If that's you hitting rock bottom, if, you, if it's you hitting close to rock bottom, I will do what it takes so that way you will put your eyes on me. Caroline and I, we always laugh. Um, we're, we're just cheesy as can be uh, now. But uh, over these past three and a half years, of marriage, one of our things that we always say, I'm telling you, it's so cheesy, is like when we are, are mad or frustrated at each other, obviously I've done, I've done nothing wrong. It's usually her. Um, she's taking care of our, our, of our crying child that wouldn't be quiet in the nursery, so she's a saint. Um, but I remember in those seasons where we're frustrated, upset, maybe it's because of our situation, maybe because of what I did to her or she did to me, or maybe it was an outside source, something was going on. And we would laugh, even, even, if, I wasn't feel, even if I wasn't feeling like it, I'd be like, man, I love you so much, even if I didn't really feel like it. But in the midst of that, we'd always look at each other and we would always say, man, if we're going through this now, there must be something beautiful on the other side of it. And we would, as as mad as I made her, we would look at each other and in the frustration and with our teeth, there must be something great on the other side of this, right? right? We can't see it. It's nowhere to be found, but there must be something good if something is going wrong. Then we look at each other and we say, well, how can we be better from this situation? How, what is God doing to you in the middle of this situation? What is God doing to us, as a fa- at me as a father, as a husband? What is he doing to you, Caroline, as a mother and as a wife and as a friend? What is he doing to you? And we celebrate. And we learn to celebrate the hard seasons because we understand if we celebrate in the hard seasons, those go by a lot quicker. We start to see the reason, and like I said, I encourage everybody to do this if you're married, um, if you're not, but I really encourage you to do this because I'm just telling you, it will put your, it'll put your mental mindset in a different place. It, it, it will stop, it, it will get the poor us, I'm angry at you, I'm angry at you, and it will, it, it will get that off of you, and what it, it'll do is it'll make you come together even more so, and it will allow you to say, listen, I know it's tough, but remember, there is something beautiful, there's something wonderful, there's something great. Listen, can you believe that God is pruning us? Like, like, we get to be better, yes, it's hard, yes, it's difficult, but man, we're gonna be better in weeks or months to come because of this situation. It will change. It will change your marriage, it will change your life. As silly as that can be. I also believe, as I mentioned earlier, God, when a, when a pruning season happens, God is really just trying to get your attention. He's really just trying to, trying to say, hey, hey, Dylan, I, I know life has been really good, but listen, you have a lot more to offer. It's time to go to another level. And, and as I communicate and teach this sermon, let me be clear, I teach it out of a place going through a current pruning season. I don't teach this as someone who's never been through a pruning season. I see God doing things in my life and I've asked questions, why me, why now, what's going on, where are you taking this? But I understand that as I am being pruned that God wants to do something so much more with my life than he ever has before and he could not have done that unless he takes things away from me and gives me other things in order to survive, in order just to keep going one more day. And we see this in James 1, He says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. It's kind of an oxymoron. When troubles come your way, consider it a great opportunity 
for wonderful and great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, not if, not maybe, not how, not when, not where, it's when, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So, love what James says. He's just so blunt. Let it grow. Not like Elsa, let it go. But let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be made perfect and complete, needing nothing. And when the pruning season happens, I saw this as I was reading it, and I was, I was just doing some studying on it. A guy put it this way, and I thought it was a really brilliant way to put it. He says, when a pruning season happens, it feels like God plays a holy hide-and-seek. It's like God is easily spotted in our most joyful seasons. But it often seems as if he is an expert at tucking himself away in the most obscure locations during our most trying times. Has anybody ever felt that before? I could raise 12 hands if I had 12 hands. But I had to ask myself this question, and I'm going to propose this question to you here. I want everybody to hear this. Could it be he hasn't hidden himself, but rather has revealed himself in a different form? God is a God of many things. And I believe, as I've read, God wants you to know all of his characteristics and all of what he has to offer. What we start to see is that God is Emmanuel, God with us. He's Jehovah Jireh, Lord our provider. Jehovah Nisi, Lord our banner, our victory. Jehovah Rapha, Lord our healer. Jehovah Rohi, our shepherd. He is Shalom, he is peace. Jehovah Suri, Lord our rock, El Shaddai, God Almighty, Alpha and Omega, he is the beginning and the end, he is Abba, he is our Father. God is so many more things than just what you deal with in one situation. And could it be that he wants to show you that yes, he has provided for you and you trust him in your finances, but you haven't trusted him with the healing. And he's like, listen, if you trust me in the healing, you'll know that I am your provider and I am also your healer. That I am also the one that gives you victory. I'm also the one that gives you peace. I am also the one that you have a rock to stand on. I am also the one who is your father, who, is, who takes care of you. God wants to show you everything he has to offer. And I remember this situation so clearly in my life. When, uh, so, Caroline and I got married about three and a half years ago, and um, I mentioned this earlier. Uh, I, I felt like I lived a pretty good life. I was a pretty good kid. My parents corrected me after service. Uh, you were not as great as you'd like to think. Uh, but I felt like I was pretty good. I only got 125 spankings a year. Uh, you know, so I, you know, that's great and all. And, but I felt like if, if I'm honest, I had to look deep inside me. I felt like I was a pretty decent kid. Um, didn't cause many issues. Caroline, on the other hand, was just a saint. I mean, if, if something was happening in their family and they had to figure out who it was, Caroline was already marked off the list. You can go to your room. Here's $500. Have fun, baby. <laughs> All their prayers were like, please be like Caroline. Please be like Caroline. <laughs> who knows we need more Carolines in this world. And so when we met... Um, we, it, it was wonderful. We, we met, as, you, as most of you know, we, got, uh, we met based on our dads off of um, Facebook uh, Messenger app, and our dad set us up on a blind date. Uh, I've, I've shared this story before, and so we met and got married less than a year later. And um, so through this process, right before we got married, she said, you know, Dylan, there is something that um, I need to let you know about. I was like, okay. She's like, I, I have this sickness 
She's like, it really hasn't come about lately, but it's just random. And I was like, okay, what is it? She was like, it's CVS, um, and that stands for Cyclical Vomiting Syndrome. And what it is, is basically when, when your um, emotions get all out of whack, you've seen lots of doctors, um, you just throw up and you can't stop. It's day, it, it, can be, it can be a couple hours, it can be days upon days, and I remember thinking, no, you will not deal with that when we get married. You know, I, was, I was right there praying, I was like, this will not happen when we get married. And, and I remember her saying, the doctors also told me that because of this, I'm not sure if I'll be able to have children. And I was like, no, in Jesus' name, that will not be, able, that will not be the case. And, um, and I remember us obviously getting married, and about a year or so into marriage, um, she had an episode, is what they're called, and so the episode, uh, it, was, it lasted a day or so, and then she was better, and she was good to go, and these things are pretty serious. If you've ever been, if you've ever thrown up, like, you know, like, that puts you in bed, like, you can't walk, like, like you're sick, but when it's constant, every moment, you can't, it's, it gets pretty bad. And so uh, I remember about the, maybe the second or third episode as we were married, it was like one day she was sick and it was like, okay, you're, you're, you got this, just, just, it's one day, just be mentally strong. You know, I'm an encourager, right? Mental stronger, Caroline, be stronger mentally, Caroline, you know. <laughs> we're not seeing a doctor, I don't have any money, all right, so... <laughs> After that first day, I was like, okay, you know, it's okay. This has happened before. Um, we'll be good. The next day, we'll, we'll be fine. Day two comes around, and, uh, and I was looking at her, and she was as sick as a dog. And uh, day three came around, and again, just as just, I, I almost was like, I don't know what's, what, what to do. And so day four comes around. She still hasn't eaten anything. She's been sick. She's been still throwing like whatever else she has left and she's been in bed and just completely unable to walk like it's that bad to the point I just I I was like God like am I gonna lose my like what's what's happening right here and I remember her looking at me about day three or four and her just being like Dylan I don't know like like what's going on like nothing is working no so we had somebody come over and bring an IV like we're just doing whatever we we could and I remember on that fourth day, so clearly, she looked at me and she said, Dylan, if I can just get to the mailbox, just walk, just get out of the house, I'll be, I, I, I feel like that'll help me out. I was all right. So, so I mean, poor little thing, she put her arm over me and I, we, were, we were walking together down the mailbox. It was like from me to the back wall. And I remember um, as we got down to the mailbox and we got back up into the house, we went into the house, and this is when um, the song House of Miracles like, was just coming out. And I remember the Lord just saying, hey, play House of Miracles. And so I started playing House of Miracles, and Caroline and I, we both just sat on the couch crying and just asking God, like, please, God, please do whatever you need to do to remove this sickness. And I remember sitting in that moment and God saying, Dylan, you and Caroline have lived a really wonderful life. Y'all have been blessed, you have been taken care of, we, but listen, I'm so much more than a provider, I'm also a healer. And I remember in that moment, the Lord saying, Dylan, I will heal Caroline. And the reason I'm going to heal her is because you need to know that I am a healer. And let me say, to this day, she has never been sick like that ever again. Yeah, praise the Lord. And I remember going through... Through that moment, and the Lord, and as I think about those things, and even as I talk about it, just the miracles and the faith that I believe I have had because I experienced the healing in my own wife, to watch healings happen in our students, watch healings happen in our families, to watch healings happen all over. God's given me the faith. He said, listen, he said, I'm so much more than what your small mind can think. I can do whatever I want. So we see pruning is a part of the process. One of the last ones that we have here is, why does a pruning season happen? Now, this is a big question, right? Like, you you can almost ask the question, why do bad things happen to good people? And and we won't go down that whole route. That's another sermon. But I'm gonna talk specifically here, why does a pruning season happen? 
I understand this. When we suffer, we start to seek. When we suffer, we start to seek. Now, let me be clear. I, just because we start to seek doesn't mean we seek the right things. I beg people, I ask people, man, when you're going through a difficult situation, go and seek Jesus. Now, let me be clear. There's a, there's a couple things here. When Jesus says, if you seek me, you will find me, I always like to, to make a reference to this. He doesn't say that tongue-in-cheek. What do I mean by that? He doesn't just say, if you seek me, you will find me, and then moves on with this life. I don't think Jesus said anything that he actually didn't mean. He says, if you knock, I will answer. So if that's the case, then we have to see what we do is we believe that we sought Lord and we, we sought after him a couple times and he didn't answer. Well, okay, that means God must be hiding himself and he doesn't want to answer and I just have to deal with my situation. And what we do is we give up. He never gives a time frame. He just says, all I want you to do is seek me. And if you seek me, you will find me. In the, in the good times and in the bad times, the happy, the sad, I'm telling you, if you will seek me, if you knock, you will find me. I I will answer. So as you, and I'm not sure if anybody in here is going through a season of pruning, but let me just say, do not stop seeking and do not stop knocking. God will answer us. It pushes us to seek. And I'll go one step further here. Um, the question David always asks, even in Psalms, he says, why do the righteous suffer? He contemplated, you know, if you ever read Psalms or even Proverbs, it says, why do the wicked prosper and the faithful suffer? Uh, have you ever had that question before? It's like, man, we're, we're doing the work of the Lord, but it's like these wicked people, they are thriving and surviving. God, what about your people? Why does it feel like we're going through the suffering? Why does it feel that way, and so I started to ask myself this other question, and this is for you and it's for me. You may ask why you, why are you going through this? But let me ask the question now, why not you? Why not you go through the pruning? Why not you go through the hard seasons? Why not you? Because this is the case. He prunes the ones he loves. I read it earlier. I'm going to read it again. I am the true grapevine, and my father, he is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. If it doesn't produce fruit, he will cut it off. And guess what? He promises that you will be pruned even if you like it or not. If you're doing good things, if you're doing uh, wonderful things of the kingdom, he says, listen, even if you do produce a lot of fruit, I will cut those branches off so that way you can produce even more. So why don't we celebrate when we go through a season that is difficult? When we go through a season that can be questionable, why don't we just say, God, I can't believe I am being pruned. Let's go. Woo! Because that's not always the easiest response, is it? But let me just, I, I always think to myself, if God promises it in his word, then I have to believe it's for the good of his people. I would not be preaching this word, I would not be preaching God's word if I didn't believe everything that was in this word. So if he says, listen, I'm going to cut you if you like it or if you don't, because it's going to benefit you and you will produce way more than you ever thought you could. So let me just say, a pruning season is not the end. It's not the end. It can't be the end. He's too faithful for it to be the end. He can't, why would a faithful God let us live and stay in the situation that we are in? 
He's not going to let you just stay there. He will bring you out. Now, let me be clear. There are situations you're like, I've been going through it. It's been, it's been a month. It's been a year. It's been two years. It's been many, many years. Let me just be clear. God will show you on the other side. He will say, listen, I know you went through a hard thing, but I am pruning you for something that you have no idea what you are about to do. And I understand I was at, well, uh, let me say this. As I was reading a couple things, even on pruning, I saw this quote, and I'm going to read it to you here. When the master gives us the vision of what he is going to do in our lives, he shows us the mountain peaks while he hides in the valleys. If you saw the climb you would have to endure to get to the mountaintop, you would abandon the entire God is not in the business of torturing his children through delays. He doesn't, he, he doesn't put you through something so you can be tortured. Rather, it's in the hidden things of the valleys of not yet and wait that make us who we are. The greatest people, the most God, I said this earlier, I'm going to say it again, the godliest and most faithful people that I've ever met in my life have been through more valleys than any of us can ever imagine in our life. They have been through more pruning seasons. They have been through more, more situations than we can ever know. See, we see them up here, but all they saw was this down here. Where does God, where does God make us the strongest in our face? In the secret place with him. Just, I'm not stronger because I'm out here teaching to you. I get stronger when I go alone with him and in the presence of the Almighty and saying, God, here I am. Remember, you are not the potter. You are just the clay. So the clay, as I said earlier, it doesn't say to the potter, what are you doing? Rather, it just sits there and says, well, since you're the potter, you must know best. I will submit everything to you. And so you can have this situation, you can have this circumstance, because apparently you want to do something with it. You want to do something with me that will benefit us in the long run. I've had over the past, um, I think, year or so, and it's been really cool, and uh, some people just, just prophesy over me, and just some really, some really like, cool things. I'm like, I have no idea how I'm going to get there. And I was reminded earlier, somebody said something earlier, and, um, and I've shared this story before. When I was in middle school or, or even early high school, I remember the Lord, or somebody coming up to me and being like, Dylan, you're going to preach God's word. Now, that's really cool, okay? But you didn't know me in ninth grade. In ninth grade, I had a terrible stuttering issue. Like, it was bad. Uh, in my senior year of, of high school, my parents were able to get me into a speech pathologist, and I would go every Tuesday after baseball practice at about 5 o'clock. I was the oldest kid by, like, 13 years in there, in those little bitty chairs. <laughs> That's a funny visual, isn't it? <laughs> and I remember the Lord saying, and, 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 I, and I, I've asked the Lord, I'm like, Lord, why did you take me through that? He's healed my voice, and he's, he just has, has gone above and beyond, and and I remember asking the Lord, like, God, why, why do you let me go through that? Because it's embarrassing. If you have a stutter, if you know somebody, like, kids are mean, FYI. I'm just saying. And I went through a lot. And I remember the Lord saying, because if you didn't go through that, you would become too prideful in yourself, and you wouldn't be able to be used by me. Okay. So every time I get up here on stage, true story, Every time I, at this stage, anywhere I'm ever able, asked to preach, I say, God, you know I can't preach your word without you. You know if I was to come up here on my own strength, I would stutter until I couldn't get through it any longer. But it's by your power that I'm made perfect. I will rejoice all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power rest on me. And I remember going through that season and I, the Lord's done some wonderful things in my life. So the question becomes, what must you do in a pruning or crushing season? 
Because that, that ultimately becomes one of, the, one of the things that we ask. Well, I wish I could give you, as I said earlier, 10 points to make pruning go a lot quicker. 15 ways to avoid the pruning season. 21 ways to make it through life without troubles. God promises that us that we'll be pruned. And as I look back on this year, 2023, I'm reminded of a lot of pruning that he's done in my life, a lot of pruning that he's done in this church, a lot of pruning that he's done with individuals in this room. And I'm reminded that God says, listen, I prune the ones I love the most. And God loves everybody in here the most. So what must we do? And in the pruning and in the crushing places. First off, knowing that, we must wait. It's in the valleys that we're grown and stronger. It's when David was fighting off a bear, killing a lion, when nobody else had any idea what he was doing. It's when David was, was learning how to throw a sling, uh, learn how to throw a rock in a sling. It was in those moments, it was in the quiet, it was in the, it was in the obscure places, it was the places when, when you're all by yourself and you're asking God, why me? And you start to change your mind after this, it's like, well, I guess why not? Wait, be patient. Wait upon the Lord. Every day, and we all know the scripture, I will rejoice and be glad in it. Today's a new day. All I got to give is just one more step. Be patient. And we see that, that grapes, that wine and olive oil in order to make the best olive oil or in order to make apparently the the best Wine, it's got to go through a process. It's got to be fermented. It's got to sit out. The, the, the best wine is what they tell me. I don't drink. This is what they tell me. The best wine is the one that sits out the longest and ferments longer than any other one. What if it was for you in your life? He takes you through a season because he understands if you were to get to that mountaintop a little bit too early, it would ruin what he has for you. I, and, and I've known people, me and myself, I've pushed, because I want answers now and I want them right this moment, I've pushed God to give me something sooner. And God, I believe, gave it to me. And then I had to go through another valley to get back to that point again. Let God be God. There's lots of answers that I could, I could have, um, what to do when you're pruned. Uh, but he gave me these two things, wait or be patient. And the second thing is rejoice. The hardest thing to do in a hard season is what? Rejoice. It is the, so I'm not sitting up here being like, it's easy, it's fun, you can click your heels together and you can get to run away. The hardest thing to do in a situation that makes no sense and it's unclear and it's dark, it's, it's loomy, there's, there's no light. The hardest thing to do is to rejoice because in your present circumstance, there's nothing to rejoice about. But what we know is not about your physical circumstance, it's about what's going to happen on the other side and who's standing next to you in your physical circumstance. Rejoice. I have some scripture here. It says, my, my suffering was good for me. Paul says, my suffering was good for me. Not my greatest moments were good for me. He says, my suffering, it was good for me. For it taught me to pay attention to your decrees. Your instructions are more valuable to me than millions in gold and silver. 2 Corinthians 12 Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Who in here has asked more than three times for God to take something away? I've asked God for thousands of times, but Paul just asked three different times. He says, take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness so that, so now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. 
That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults. I want everybody to hear this. That's why I take pleasure in the pruning. That's why I take pleasure in the weaknesses and in the stuttering. That's why I take pleasure in the insults that somebody throws at me, in the hardships that don't make sense, in the persecution when I'm just trying to live a normal godly life, in the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What if God wants to take you to a place you got nothing to offer? That could be and maybe is the greatest place you can be. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 12. I know there's more verses, but this is the message version. I love the way it says it. It says, you know for yourselves that we're not much to look at. We've been surrounded and battered by troubles, but we're not demoralized. We're not sure what to do, but we know that God knows what to do. We've been spiritually terrorized, but God hasn't left our side. We've been thrown down, but we haven't been broken. What they did to Jesus, they do to us. Trial and torture, mockery and murder. What Jesus did among them, he does in us. Guess what? He lives. Our lives are at a constant risk for Jesus' sake, which makes Jesus' life all the more evident in us. While we're going through the worst, I want everybody to hear this. While we're going through the worst, you are getting in on the best. What a way to look at that. Paul understood there was something about pruning and being in the valleys that was going to make him better for what was to come. And know in this season, and the seasons to come, we must rejoice. What if in 2024, now you may say this, what a great uh, sad sermon, Dylan, for 2024, so I'm going to be pruned. Congratulations. <laughs> now, yeah, 2024, the pruning season for me. But what if knowing that God promises you that, promises you that you'll be pruned, what if in that we said, I get to be pruned in 2024, that must mean he loves me. That must mean he cares about me. That must mean he sees something greater than what I am offering now. That must mean he sees something in me. So that way I will rejoice when pruning comes. Satan loves to tell people, you should be sad. You're the only one going through it. But I'm telling you, your life will change, and this church will change, your family will change, when you can look at each other and say, I'm going through a difficult situation, I'm going through a pruning, but let me be clear, I am rejoicing because God is doing something good. So I talk about pruning, knowing that we... Maybe you can look back if you take a second. Maybe you can think back on a, on a spot in 2023. Or maybe you're like, I don't, I don't have to think back. I'm currently in what you're talking about. Because in the new season, in this new season, we all make goals, right? We all make things we want to change. In this new season... In order to accomplish all the physical things, all the emotional, relational things, what must happen for it to be what we plan for it to be? It, things must be pruned. You want to get in shape physically? You got to stop eating donuts in the morning at Restoration Church on Sunday. <laughs> There's a bag of 12 of them out there apparently on the desk. You can grab one as you go by. It's not over yet. If you want to get in a, in a relationship, if you want your relationship as a marriage to grow stronger, you have to take away things that are hindering the marriage from growing stronger. You got to prune things off. Emotionally, if you want to be stronger emotionally, you got you to push people aside that do not 
honor the Lord that pull you away and the same things happen spiritually. If you want your relationship to go another step deeper, another step further, if you want to know who Jesus Christ is, he will require you to be pruned because he only wants the best for you. And let me just say, the best Jesus that I know is in the season where I'm being pruned because I have nothing to offer and I'm able to get up here on a stage and he says, you didn't do anything. It was just me. That is the place that I want to be. Praise the Lord. So, not if, but when you go through the pruning. If you hear nothing else today, I want you to leave out of this room saying, I will rejoice. This year, 2024, I made a joke about it earlier, but it could be the year of the more because God's gonna cut some things off of you so that way you can produce more fruit. This year could be the greatest season of your life because God's gonna take some things out of it that don't need to be there. Trust God. Trust him in this season, even when you don't know what it looks like, even if you're not sure how you're going to get through it. Know that God is using what you are going through, if it was by your own doing or if it was just because he said it's time for you to go to another level. Trust God that he knows what he is doing and he knows best. And I can look around this room. I talk to enough people. There are so many people in here that I love and admire. I've had many conversations and I ask them, how did you get there? And you're like, it's because God took me here in the valley that I'm only able to be up here on the mountaintop. Allow that to be what you hope for in this season. So if you would, just stand up with me all across this room. I want to take a moment Because I do want to rejoice in this new season. I don't want it to look sad. I don't want it to look all, all uh, oh, I can't believe I'm going through brood. I want us to rejoice. So what I want to do, everybody close your eyes here. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a specific prayer over, over a group of people real quick. If you are going through a pruning season right this moment, I want you to raise your hand right where you are. There are hands all across this room. There are hands all across. I want you to keep your hands up, and I'm going to say a prayer for you. As you keep your hands up, there may be people around you. You can kind of look around. I want you to put your hand on them, and I want you to join with me in prayer. So, Lord, God, give us the strength to go one more day. God, show up in our quiet places. Show up in in the hard, difficult circumstances. God, you are pruning us. God, help me rejoice. Help me rejoice, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult. Help me rejoice in the hard times and in the good times. God, give me strength for one more day. If you have your hand up, say, give me strength for one more day. God, give me strength. Give me the courage to take one more step. Give me the strength to go one more step. That this year, 2024, though I'm in the pruning, I'm about to produce much fruit. So all across this room, I want you to hold your hands up. God, the hands that you see that are up, I pray you produce more fruit in this season in their lives than you've ever produced in any season of their life. God, that the fruit will be so overflowed that it will overflow into parents. It will overflow into children. It will overflow into this church. That the fruit will be so plentiful and so fruitful that people next to you will be able to pick up a piece of that fruit and say, man, I've been given life because of what you have been producing. So God, I pray that this season is a season of rejoicing in the pruning. Season of rejoicing as we are pruned in our situations Though it can seem dark, though it can seem scary, we know you are standing in the fire. There is a fourth man in the fire, as we sang earlier. We are not alone.
alone. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, that's what I want to do real quick. Yeah. We're going to worship uh, here. And I just wanted, I want everybody to take a moment as we worship and they'll let you leave in a, in, in a couple hours. Uh, but what I want you to do is I want you to go ahead and say, God, I know that I will be pruned because your word promises it. So don't just say, God, I, I, I hope I'm not pruned. Go ahead and you say, God, I know I'm going to be pruned. And I'm going to rejoice. So let the pruning happen to me. Let it happen to me. And say, this year will be a year. So, I, so we're going to worship here. What I want you to do in your spot is I want you to go ahead and just start praying. Say, God, situations, things that need to be taken off of me, things that need to be healed and restored, things that, that I need prayer for, take it away. God, do with what you want. Remember, you are the clay. He is the potter. So I'm going to ask the elders and, and even staff and people group leaders, if you would come down here and if you need some prayer for this upcoming year, if you need to be anointed for this upcoming year and you feel like, man, this is, it was a hard 2023 or, or I feel like something's coming on the other end of it, I just need a little bit of prayer. I need to be anointed for the season to come. We're going to worship and I just want you to take a moment, worship together and come down if you need prayer right now. I trust in God, my Savior, the one. 